Welcome back. You're listening to News Radio WGNS. This is the Action Line. I am Nick Cohn here with you for the next hour or so. And our guest this morning is attorney John Day, who's joining us and brave enough to take some phone calls and answer some of our questions and kind of be here and uh, clear some things up for us. If you have any questions, 615-893-1450 is the way to reach us. You can also text in those questions to that same number and well, we'll get through those throughout the hour. And uh, with that, Attorney John Day, good morning. Good morning, Nick. Thanks oh. for having me here. Hey, thanks for stopping in. And I uh, wanted to wish you happy holidays as we're creeping up on Thanksgiving and Christmas and things like that. I know people are going to be um, having their plates full, and this is always a busy time of the year. So I uh, wanted to wish you happy holidays while we yep. have you here. And, and happy holidays to you. It's a challenging time. All of us are trying to make decisions of how we can make Thanksgiving feel as normal mm-hmm. as it has in years past, right? And so our, our family's struggling with the very same issue right now. It's tough, tough decisions. So particularly what you practice is injury law. And if you could give us kind of a brief rundown on how that differs from um, just different different uh, you know stakes. What, what would be a case in which somebody would contact you through injury law uh, to kind of get folks warmed up as we're answering questions here this morning, just to kind of let them know particularly uh, what you deal with? Well, if you uh, if you look at the law from the the ten thousand foot level, uh, there's basically two types. There's criminal law. That's what most people are familiar with. Crimes uh, they're prosecuted by the state or local government, federal government. And then there's civil law, and that encompasses everything from formation of businesses to uh, workers' compensation claims. And injury lawsuits are there in the middle. Injury lawsuits are lawsuits that are brought by one person or company against another person or company alleging that they have been injured by the carelessness of another person. Um, Sometimes that causes the death of another person. So it includes everything from car wrecks to truck wrecks to slip and falls on property or trip and falls on property to dog bites to um, medical errors, legal malpractice is included in that area, even though there's no personal injury. That whole segment of the law is what we do. And we call it personal injury and wrongful death law, uh, and that's what I've done here in Middle Tennessee for 39 and a half years. So 30-plus years uh, practicing injury law, and, and with 2020 being probably a year that people will never forget. It kind of stands out on its own. has been dominated by COVID-19 conversations and uh, folks trying to figure out how to maintain a normalcy or try to stick to something similar to that. Uh, how has injury law been affected by that? Have you seen a, a rise in cases, a lower in cases? Have things kind of went at a similar pace? How has that, how has that changed what you guys do? We've seen a couple changes. Uh, first of all, um, As of the end of March and throughout the month of April and the month of May, we saw a decline in the number of calls we were getting on car wreck and truck wreck cases. And that's because there were less people on the road. So that's the good news, right, for for everybody, uh, including us. Um, We get less calls. We accept less cases. But the good news is people are not getting hurt and killed at the same rate that they were. That has uh, largely returned. Traffic is, it's not normal yet, but it's similar to being normal. And uh, I think, um, so we're seeing, we're seeing 
that sort of leveling out to exactly what we would think it would be. We are seeing um, fewer calls about medical malpractice, quite frankly, not that many fewer, maybe 5%. I don't know the reason for that, but quite frankly, I think part of it it is there are less hospital beds being used for elective surgeries than there were a year ago. There are less hospital beds used for lots of things. so there are lots of hospital beds, especially right now, being used for COVID-related matters. But Tennessee has passed a law that greatly limits the health care provider's liability for, any, for the alleged mistreatment of any COVID patient or COVID-related illness. So um, that's been another change we've seen is the legislature got involved in a special session and, and worked to protect businesses and health care providers from COVID-19 related claims. They didn't totally eliminate them legally, practically. They are extremely difficult to make. So that's another change we've seen. And, so, then, and then we've had to change our whole operation, right, because we, we had 20 employees working in three different offices, and we still got those employees. We did not lay off anyone, uh, thank goodness, uh, but they are now working for the most part from home. And to back up just a second, you were talking about if somebody was maybe uh, taking an elective surgery in a hospital in a doctor's office setting and they were to contract COVID based on you know so many people being in hospitals and being treated, um, that the the possibility of suing or having a legal case there would be lowered based on you know just the difficulty of and the risk that everybody really takes by just being out and about. Is that accurate? Yes, I mean it's the 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 statute that, that was passed during this uh, special session of the legislature uh, and signed by Governor Lee makes it much harder to bring a claim saying that one person or one company's actions negligently caused you to get COVID or that the healthcare provider did not properly treat COVID. It just makes it harder to do. Uh, I will tell you from a practical standpoint, it would be very difficult to persuade a jury (laughs) that those claims would have been successful anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, I turned down early cases before that law came into uh, effect because it was my judgment that this was a new illness where people were struggling to figure out how to diagnose it and how to treat it. And I remember quite clearly uh, when it all hit the fan, uh, I guess I can say that, when it all hit the fan, uh, we were on spring break. Our family, my daughter is is still in uh, middle school. We were on spring break. And at the, that point in time, what everybody was thinking about, of course, was uh, be careful what you touch and use sanitizer. We still were not that much in tune with the risk of transmission through the air. And, and plus, quite frankly, a lot of doctors didn't know how to effectively treat it because we didn't know what we were dealing with. Not their fault. I'm not blaming them. Uh, I've, just the opposite. That's why I did not accept cases where somebody said, my doctor didn't treat me right for COVID. Well, at, at that time, in the early days, um, we were still trying to figure out how to do it. So the law, I think, went too far 
But the practical impact is when people call us now and say, uh, my doctor didn't treat me right um, concerning uh, my treatment for COVID, or I got COVID sitting in the emergency room, we've got calls like that, or whatever, we say, I'm sorry, we can't help. This new law makes it almost impossible for us to help you. And something that's kind of mind-refreshing to think about is, you know, the most powerful minds in health. COVID is just as new to them as it is to us. So some of these people who, who we look up to and say, well, they, they got it. They're, they, you know, they, they know everything there is to know about these types of things. Still new to them, just as new it is to us. So everybody's kind of coming at this at the same pace. And, um, you know, you said it, it'd be an unfair circumstance to, to hold, you know, people accountable in that way to, um, you know, for something that is that is so unknown. And, you know, if you're in the emergency room and there's people being treated for COVID in that hospital, that'd be, you know, something that you would have to understand and, and know would be at risk. Well, I've always said... And this is going to sound negative about the healthcare industry, but it's not intended that way. I've always said that a hospital is a great place to get sick. And it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are sick people in hospitals. There are organisms in hospitals that can make you very, very sick. Most hospitals do what they can to try to make those hospitals safe, not only for their patients, but also for their employees. But the fact of the matter is infection uh, is a risk anytime you go into a hospital and certainly anytime you have surgery. So it's not surprising that in the early days when everybody was trying to wrap their heads about what this coronavirus is and how do we fight it, that there were going to be accidental transmissions or the inability to figure out what's going on. I think now we've, I think everybody would agree that science has come a long way in treating this. They still don't know how to fix it. Some people are going to continue to die, some 2,000 yesterday, I believe. But they are, I think it is fair to say that they are, number one, curing people today that they would not have been able to cure seven months ago. And number two, that's likely to improve because as the knowledge database grows, the the treatment options will be more patient-centered to the particular patient, and there'll be other op- options available, and they'll pick the right patients for the right treatment. So I, I, th- I think, quite frankly, healthcare workers uh, in this area are heroes. I mean, they are. You talk about a sacrifice that these folks are making. Um, God love them. Yeah, not enough good things to say about those first responders and those working in hospitals. And um, a couple times that's been brought up in, in a similar conversation. And you say, can't say enough good things about these people. They are uh, they're fighting on the front lines for us. So Yes, sir. Well, we're going to take a quick time out. We wanted to ask you when we come back how COVID has affected you guys in the office, how things are different on the day-to-day. Uh, Attorney John Day, our guest this morning. We're also taking phone calls when we come back at 615-893-1450. So if you have questions, if you'd like to join the show, give us a call. That number again, 615-893-1450. Also to remind folks that weather and traffic for this hour brought to you by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. They're a hometown auto repair shop and reminding you not to wait on those repair jobs and end of year maintenance. Things like windshield wipers, fluids, even oil can be crucial in the colder months. So don't wait. Talk to one of their experts today. And if you're a teacher, student, or first responder in Rutherford County, 
Find out how you can receive special discounts on labor costs for your next job. That's all over at First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna on 307 Hazelwood Drive. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dave Kiven of Music World and Drummer's Den. We'd like to invite you to come by and see Dan, our guitar tech, Riley, our drum instructor, and Tom, our keyboard and guitar instructor. We offer lessons for any level from beginner to advanced. Our instructors are great with any age, and they'll teach you the songs you want to learn and in the way that you like to learn. Come by in Music World and Drummer's Den. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. Skies become mostly sunny here this afternoon, a high around 70 degrees. Winds out of the southwest are on 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy, a low near 43. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 47. Good morning, Tina. I finally moved these damaged vehicles to the side. People are rubbernecking just a bit as they drive by. 24 westbound here at Bell Road. It's not a big backup, but it's a little sluggish up to here at times. 41 inbound Murphy's Brawl Pike. That's still very busy coming inbound. Hey, Jurassic Quest drive through the first ever drive through Dino Family Experience in its final week. As a matter of fact, it's over with on Sunday at the Nashville Super Speedway. Check it out, JurassicQuest.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Welcome back into the action line. Right now, 826 and 52 degrees for you. I'd like to remind folks, tonight we have WGNS High School Football. Riverdale taking on Oakland in the fight for the Final Four. Kickoff at 7 o'clock. Find Brian and John on the call. We also have the Coaches Show, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. So for any recaps you might need, well, that'd be the place to find it. We'll keep you going. We'll keep you updated right here on News Radio WGNS. And with that, now we head back into the action line with attorney John Day. Uh, one of the things we were chatting with to kind of get the show started is how COVID has changed what you guys do, maybe on the outside, as far as what calls come in. What are some of the things you're hearing and doing? wanted to ask you about internally uh, with the crew, with the office crew, with, with the people you work with day to day. How have you guys had to adapt to COVID and, and spreading people out? And, um, you know, with, with your industry particularly, a lot of times people want to come in. They want to talk face-to-face. They might just come into the office and say, hey, you guys, you know, have an appointment available for today. Can I get that scheduled? A lot of that's got to be done on the phone and online now. Talk about that. What are, what are some of those struggles and things that have uh, come up in that way? Well, from the standpoint of, of interacting with potential clients and clients, that is largely, but not completely now done over the phone or via Zoom chat. We, um, we are attempting to avoid in-person contact as much as we can. It is still occurring. 
when necessary. Uh, but one thing that is is dramatically changed is the number of people who, quite frankly, don't want to come in and meet. They're more than happy to have a discussion over the phone, have a discussion via Zoom. Uh, we have electronic signature built into our computer system. So to the extent that the potential client or the client needs to sign something, uh, we can uh, – we can do that electronically. We can have it notarized uh, under the law using the uh, computer. So there's a way to do all of that and still get things done. From the standpoint of moving a case forward, one of the major things, uh, major uh, points in a case is when depositions are taken. Depositions are out-of-court statements taken by lawyers uh of the people who are involved in the case, either the people who brought the suit or got sued or witnesses, and the lawyers can ask questions to try to ascertain the facts. Uh, Historically, those have been done in person, usually in a lawyer's conference room, uh, with as many as four, five, six, seven, eight. I've had as many as my record is 42 or 44 people all in one place, uh, working with one witness. Uh, t- today, most of those are being do- done by Zoom in our office. I think we've taken 45 or 50 different Zoom depositions where everybody appears via video and nobody's in the same room or maybe two people are in the same room. So that has been a major change. We're still doing some in-person depositions if that's what's required under the circumstances um, but then everybody is wearing masks, uh, and we're trying to follow the rules. Uh, same thing's true in court. I was in court last night till 5 o'clock, and, um, you know, the judge wore a mask. The lawyers wore a mask. It's awkward. It drives me crazy. It affects the ability to hear people clearly. Uh, last night, one of the lawyers in the room uh, has got a hearing problem, and uh, it was very difficult to make sure that he could hear. <laughs> and uh, But we got it done. Uh, it's just sort of a, uh, it's a, it's a minor inconvenience. In terms of the operation of the office, we basically shut down uh, way back in March. Uh, I think it was the 17th or the 18th. And we have allowed people to work from home uh, with the exception of our receptionist our bookkeeper, uh, my assistant, and uh, two other people. And then the lawyers sort of come and go as necessary to their office. Everybody else is working from uh, home, but coming into the office now, we just implemented this three weeks ago, one day a week. So we have them hooked up from home to their computer on a secure line, we sent them home with boxes of supplies and printers and monitors, and that's the way we're running right now. And quite frankly, it's working pretty well. Uh, we're still able to do the work and deliver the same level of service as we were before. Attorney John Day, our guest this morning on the Action Line. If you have a question or want to join the show, 615-893-1450 is the way to do so. You can also text that number, and we'll get those questions up on uh up and answered for you here this hour. Uh, Attorney John Day, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you about that is, how are things looking differently in court? 
Has COVID kind of changed things? I know you mentioned a little bit about uh, wearing masks and things of that nature and, and how that maybe can be difficult for communication purposes and things, but uh, are the courts getting backed up at all? Are things taking longer on a per-case basis and, and things getting pushed back, or is everything on pace maybe like it would have been a year ago? In some ways, it's a mess. Uh, in other ways, uh, it's not. Uh, let me explain what I mean by that. I think the courts in Tennessee have done a dang good job restructuring themselves to figure out how to keep people's cases moving through the pipeline. Uh, there is there's lots of challenges with that. Uh, you have to think that you've got people, for instance, on the criminal side of things who are in jail. They are at risk, right? But those people have to have access to a lawyer. They have the right to confront witnesses against them. There's all sorts of rights that they have. The family of any victim or the victim himself or herself has certain rights under our Constitution. They have, they have a right to observe proceedings if they want to, right? So what we're trying to do is accommodate all those rights and do so in a transparent way to the public that allows justice to continue to be administered. And it took us a little while, not as long as many people thought it would, to figure that out. So in this county, in every... Uh, county across the state, it started working pretty quickly in lots and lots of different areas. We started having non-jury trials by Zoom. Nashville had its first one in, I think it was May, early May. Now, I want you to think about this. We went from a period where you can't get a camera into court without court permission. Mm -hmm. Two, having a Zoom trial in two months. <laughs> okay? I mean, so that required people to understand how to, first of all, what was the technology? How do I use this technology how do I make sure it works when I need it to work? There are, I mean, I can't tell you how complicated all that is. And how do I present my case differently if I'm doing it on camera as opposed to doing it in person? So I think Chancellor Ellen Lyle in Nashville was the first person to have a non-jury trial by Zoom in Tennessee. And since then, there's been more of them. Uh, and we've even had some jury trials in this county and other counties. Our, our law firm tried a jury case in Williamson County two weeks ago. Uh, but now they're all suspended again uh, through January 31st. Uh, the Chief Justice just announced uh, Wednesday. So all that's going to come to a halt. The regular matters that you see in general sessions court concerning bill collection and landlord-tenant disputes and relatively small criminal matters, they are going to continue to proceed. Cases in the criminal courts, the bigger courts, the felony courts, and the civil uh, trial-level courts will continue to proceed, but jury trials have ground to a halt. 
And what that means is this. We're going to have an eight or nine, depending on the county, 10-month backlog of cases as of January 31st. There's only so many cases that can fit through that jury trial pipeline. (laughs) There's only so many days, right? There's only so many judges. So in, for instance, Davidson County, which has still not had a civil jury trial since March and will not have one now until at least February, we're going to be 10 months behind. And I checked the numbers. Um, That's going to be 40, 50 trials behind that's what they would normally have in the circuit jury trials, 40 or 50 civil jury trials backed up. And as I said, that pipe's only so big. So you're going to have lots and lots of people competing for a limited number of trial days. And how do those get divided out? Is it, for lack of a better term, based on importance and how big the case is and how urgent it is to get it resolved? Every county our judicial circuit, uh, the judicial circuit here is the 16th. It includes Cannon County. Every circuit does it a little different. So there is sometimes uh, a different structure for bigger cases, more complex cases, cases with lots of people involved. Sometimes, though, it's just first come, first serve. If you show up and ask for a trial date and you commit to the judge that you will be ready for trial, he or she will give you a trial date. In other counties, older cases get first preference. So they can try to, if those people are ready to go to trial, they'll get first preference. So there is no one system across the state that does that. Uh, All we know is this. We got a finite number of dates. We got a finite number of judges, and we got a backlog. And how that's going to be addressed is going to be a very, very complicated question. And this is this is how this impacts real people. So, I have a case, uh, a medical malpractice case, uh, where my client died as a result of a, a medical error. In my opinion, that's what we can prove. The, the healthcare providers deny that. In October of 2019, we asked the judge for and got a trial date for October of 2020. That trial date was missed because of COVID-19. That county could not hold jury trials at that time. We are now set for October of 2021. My client is a 42 or 43-year-old woman with five kids. And her husband died. She's got. She's been waiting <laughs> now since the first trial eight, two years, wow. just to get to trial. The work is the other work is done, mm-hmm. but we can only get into that courtroom at the time the judge has available, and that's what he had available, October of two thousand twenty-one. So, and it also, you know, to be fair. It also impacts the lives of the the doctors that we brought the claim with because they're having to live with it for an extra two years, right? So the, it's it's had a material effect on the uh, on the on the system on trials, 
We've got people sitting in jail who can't get a trial. We've got people out on bond who can't get a trial. Uh, and some people will say, well, they're guilty or they wouldn't have been charged. Our, our system doesn't work that way, or at least not yet. Uh, the jury determines whether or not they're, they're guilty or innocent. And uh, so that's a lot of things hanging out there that the system uh, has not had to deal with before, uh, at least within the last 100 years. And we're going to have to try to figure out a way to do it. Attorney John Day, our guest this morning on the Action Line. And if you want to check out a website, johndaylegal.com. Lots of information on there. And uh, one of the things I saw uh, that I thought was interesting that you guys are still doing is the free consultation, the 24-7. You can call. Somebody will get back to you. Talk briefly about that. And, that, that's again, that's got to be something that's been tricky to maintain through this. Uh, but what what is that all about? Well, we're in the office every day from different people there at different times, but usually from 7 o'clock in the morning till 6 o'clock at night. So we've got somebody there answering the phone during that period. And all other hours and on weekends, we have somebody else, an answering service, who answers the phone who are trained to do this for lawyers. And one of our lawyers uh, carries a what we call the red phone because it's got a red cover on so we don't mix it up and takes those calls after normal hours. So people talk to the receptionist, the after-hours receptionist, and certain of those calls are immediately transferred to a lawyer who's got the responsibility to answer those calls up till 10 o'clock at night and all day on the weekends. Um, even if for some reason we can't get to a person, uh, we try to set up, we'll, t- we'll schedule that call for the next day uh, or the next business day. So we've that we've had that system for at least 5 years and between that and our chat forms on the internet we're able to get back to people pretty quickly when they reach out to us uh whether it's in the middle of the day or in the middle of the night i i got up this morning at a quarter to 5 and i responded to two people who sent us emails over the middle of the through the middle of the night and just said, what time may we call you this morning, right? So we're not going to give legal advice over the Internet, but we're going to set up a phone call and chat with people. I think so much of that is, you know, people trust you. People, when you can respond quickly, they think to themselves, you know, this guy just got up in the morning. First thing he did was respond to my email to get back and reach out to me. And I'm going to tie this into we had a listener question asking um, about maintaining that relationship and that connection with maybe new clients or people who you're working with. Has that been tricky at all, to, to maintain that level of uh, personability and, and, you know, doing things over the phone, over Zoom, not being able to meet face-to-face as easily and some people not wanting to even go that direction at all have you had to find new ways to reach people reach out to people connect with people in in your work well you know i guess our clients would be better able to answer that question than me right but what i've found is that most people understand that we're in a, a challenging period we're trying to do the right thing uh we like to think we're trying to follow the guidelines that the government has told us to follow and maybe even a little more uh, I think uh, many, many people are trying to do the right thing themselves, and uh, we're just adjusting to this new normal, right? So we haven't found any problem. Uh, what we have done, though, is just keep those lines of communication open and responding to people's calls, uh, responding to their requests to set up a Zoom meeting, 
respond or even in an in-person meeting. I, I met with a client uh, last week who wanted to meet in person. No problem. We can sit in a conference room. We can wear masks. We can get it done, right? Uh, we've also greatly ins- uh, seen a great increase in the use of text messaging. Uh, we have the ability to text from our computer. Uh, we have, uh, and if uh, the text is directed toward me, it comes to my phone. So I answer texts at night. I answer texts on the weekends. Uh, and and quite frankly, depending on what I'm doing, it may not be an extended uh, message. Uh, I don't really want to give legal advice via text either. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is, I hear what you're saying. If I can give a simple answer to it, I do it. Uh, depending on the level of urgency, we'll have a phone call then or set one up the following uh, on Monday. So people like that. They like the access. We give them the access. Uh, they deserve it. And, you know, it seems to be working. And one of the things that, you know, maybe helps with that is uh, it's not just you guys or another group who's in that position. Everybody's in that spot. So everybody... Um, is, is kind of having the same challenge as far as uh, meeting people, talking to people, getting face-to-face right. with people. So I think everybody's kind of in the same boat as far as that goes. Uh, one of the other listener questions, and this is always nice when one of the questions we prepared or talked about off the air kind of meshes with one of the listener questions. Uh, but they were asking about uninsured drivers with the layoffs. Is that something they should be concerned about? Are, are uninsured driver rates going up based on people being laid off? Is that something that, that you guys have discussed in-house? Uh, what are your thoughts there? I I I have a I haven't seen any publicly any public available data on that. Let but let's just use common sense. Um, last week there were seven hundred and forty two thousand new un, uh, unemployment claims. Uh, at the end of December, there's going to be thirty one million people who are going to be losing unemployment benefits. Thirty one million people who are going to be tapped out. When you go down the list of monthly bills you have to pay, and if there isn't enough money at the end of the month, then one of the things you're going to think about is, do I continue to make this car insurance bill? In in many, many states, if you do not pay your car insurance, the sheriff's department will come and take the tag off your car. Okay? They'll take the tag off. So... You, you, the next time you take that car out of the driveway, you're driving around with no tag on. That is not true in Tennessee. We assume that you're going to follow the law and not drive if you don't have insurance, and you have to present proof if you're stopped. But police officers aren't going to do random stops to see if you have insurance. So as a result of our law, we have the fifth highest level of uninsured drivers in the nation right now. One out of every five people does not have car insurance. As you drive down the road, and those of you who are listening right now, driving your car to work or to the grocery store, count the next five cars coming at you. One of those people doesn't have any insurance. And depending where you are, it can be higher or lower, right? Depending what neighborhood you live in, uh, it can be higher or lower. So. Do I expect with increasing economic pressure, whether it's from unemployment or somebody out sick and that lost their job or whatever it is, to have people starting to put the car insurance bill at the bottom of the list? Yes, I do. Do I expect that that will increase the number of uninsured drivers? Yes, I do. 
And here's the important thing for the rest of us who are fortunate enough to have money at the end of the month, or at least have us break even. That uninsured motorist coverage you have on your car protects you in the event that other driver doesn't have insurance, and you need to keep it in place, and you need to look carefully at your policy to see if you have an adequate amount. You should talk to your agent about it, and if your agent won't give you the time of day to talk about it and guide you through that process, find another agent. (laughs) They get paid to give you advice. Absolutely. And as as you were mentioning, the one out of every five, I'm looking you know, behind you and seeing Broad Street and about 20 cars drove by in that time. So that, that equates to four uninsured drivers just in that that little piece there. So um, that's an eye-opening stat for sure. It's, it's really troubling. What's, I'm going to scare you more. Out of the drivers who do have insurance, probably 20 or 25 percent of them have the state minimum which means that 37 or 40% of all drivers have either no insurance or only $25,000 worth of insurance, which means one night in the ICU at uh, Middle Tennessee Medical Center, St. Thomas Rutherford, right? That's it. Then there's no more insurance for that other driver. Talk about walking on thin ice in, in that scenario. That's you know that's scary for the driver for the for the other folks on the road as well. Yes, yeah. It's just it's a it's a real potential problem. And if you don't have uh, uninsured motorist coverage, the economic harm to your family is going to be significant. And you know, well, people come to me all the time and say, "Well, this this guy hit me. He's only got twenty five thousand dollars of insurance." Uh, I don't have any extra uninsured motorist coverage. What do I do? And all I can tell them is you can't do much. You can bring a lawsuit against the person who doesn't have any insurance, but guess what? They probably don't have any money. Uh, They probably don't, and they probably never will. The classic example, if you don't mind me going and giving one, I got a, a guy who was riding with a friend of his, and the friend crashed the car. The friend was drunk. Okay, so question whether there's good judgment in getting into a car. A guy was a drunk driver, but the gentleman who was the passenger died. So you've got a claim against a drunk driver who's been arrested, who's probably going to go to prison for vehicular homicide. He tested 0.16. What is that lawsuit against him worth? You know, Mm -hmm. He's going to be in prison for several years and probably has a severe drinking problem anyway, which means you don't see a whole lot of people who have severe drinking problems and have a positive balance in their checking account. No, that's uh, kind of one thing that always kind of leads into the other there. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I do think that there's an increased risk for more uninsured drivers and uh as I said, those of us who are blessed to be able to have uh, money at the end of the month need to make sure that we protect ourselves from that. The cost of that uninsured motorist coverage is very, very small. Yeah. All right. We're up against our last break here. We're going to take one more quick time out. And when we come back, we'll wrap up. we got a couple more questions come through. And if you'd like to call and join the show, just wait on hold for a brief second. We'll get you pulled up after this commercial break. 615 893 
1450 is the number to call. Just a reminder, weather and traffic for this hour brought to you by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. They're your hometown auto repair shop and reminding you not to wait on those repair jobs at the end of your maintenance. Simple things like windshield wipers, fluids, oil, they can all be very crucial in the cold months, so don't wait. Talk to one of their experts today. Call and schedule an appointment, and if you're a teacher, student, or first responder in Rutherford County, find out how you can receive special discounts on labor costs for your next job. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna on 307 Hazelwood Drive. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. We'll be right back. Skies become mostly sunny here this afternoon, a high around 70 degrees. Winds out of the southwest are on 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy, alone near 43. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 47. Good morning, Tina. I finally moved these damaged vehicles to the side. People are rubbernecking just a bit as they drive by. 24 westbound here at Bell Road. It's not a big backup, but it's a little sluggish up through here at times. 41 inbound Murfreesboro Pike. It's still very busy coming inbound. A Jurassic Quest drive through the first ever drive through Dino Family Experience in its final week. As a matter of fact, it's over with on Sunday at the Nashville Super Speedway. Check it out, JurassicQuest.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna is reminding you not to wait on that next car repair job. As a matter of fact, if you're a teacher or first responder, there are special discounts available to you on your next job. So stop by First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County. But we will always remain a community bank with local people you trust. Capstar Bank, 2230 Mercury Boulevard. Visit capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is MTSU President Sidney McPhee. You're listening to WGNS, your local connection to Blue Raider Atlanta. WGNS AM, FM, online. Welcome back into News Radio WGNS. Right now, 855 as we're on the tail end of the action line this morning. 55 degrees out the door for us with a high of 69. That's going to be coming just after lunch. So, oh, good stuff in store for us there. If you got the rest of the day off or any time at all today, get outside and soak up some of that sun. Looks like it's going to be a good one for us today. Attorney John Day, our guest this morning on the action line, and we've bounced around, answered some listener questions, and uh, kind of had the COVID-19 discussion, how things have changed for you guys, uh, how things have changed in the courts, how things have changed on the streets as far as, um, you know, we talked about unemployment rates going up and the possibility of, of folks dropping insurance and, you know, trying to make that squeeze at the end of the month and, uh, you know, something to think about for, for um, 
motor vehicle owners and drivers there out on the street. Certainly, uh, you know, you always want to be a defensive driver, but, I, you know, maybe now more than ever, uh, just, you know, be extra careful out there. And you mentioned, uh, you know, so many people either not having insurance or having the bare minimum insurance. And a conversation you could probably have any year, any time, you know, I'm, there's, there's always that conversation. But right now, maybe just ramped up a little bit. So uh, certainly a lot to think about there. Just a couple minutes here left. Wanted to thank you for coming on with us this morning. And, uh, you know, any final thoughts as we wrap up this morning and uh, head off into the holiday season and, uh, you know, kind of get that whole, that whole part of the year going just a week away from Thanksgiving, if uh, people can believe that. Well, I I, uh, I hope everybody has a wonderful Thanksgiving and um, uses good sense in in trying to make it as safe as possible. I know uh, there's a there's a desperate urge. Let me put it this way: in my household, uh, my wife is the primary cook, and she's really good at it. But she's so dang sick of cooking two or three meals a day. We haven't been to a restaurant yet. We've been to three restaurants outside within the last six weeks but we said we haven't been indoors at a restaurant yet so the responsibility of a large portion of the cooking unless it's involved the grill or breakfast has been hers (laughs) and she's so sick of it so there's a lot of temptation to uh, sort of relax a little bit even though the numbers are as bad as ever and all i would say about that is what i keep trying to tell myself and that is We've we've gone so far. We've we've now we've gone uh, eight months, right? Uh, we can hold on, and and hopefully uh, by next summer this will be a whole lot better. So, I'm hoping we're at the midway point here, and that uh, I would just encourage people to continue to do the hard thing, which is the safe thing. Absolutely, and that uh, sounds like a great time to plug one of our wonderful sponsors. Let them do the cooking for you this year. Um, but, you know, certainly, uh, yeah, a lot to think about there. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to be, I think, staying home and maybe um, immediate family in that household. Maybe people will be celebrating together in that way instead of doing the big cookouts with grandma and grandpa or uh, traveling and, and that sort of thing. A little bit of a different pace this year, but like you said, I think you nailed it. Uh, we've gone this far. Um, you know, it'd be real easy to mess a lot of that up and, and go backwards in the next two months. But I think if uh, people, you know, knew, do what they need to do, I think we'll be all right. Get through it next year. You know, who knows what next year holds, but could be uh, could be good. And just a couple more weeks left this year to, to keep pushing. Right. Uh, I'm with you 100 percent. You have a wonderful holiday with your family. Likewise, you as well. And uh, we'll catch up with you hopefully here before too long. And uh, maybe it'll be early next year, but we'll be talking to you soon. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. We've got the Truman Show coming up in just a few minutes, guys. So keep it right here on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 8.58. We'll be right back with the news. Thanks, brother. Absolutely. The Doug Young Educator of the Month from News Radio, WGNS, and City Tile and Floor Covering spotlights Darla Massey, an eighth grade math teacher at Whitworth Buchanan Middle School. Tell us why you decided to become an educator. Because I want to prove to students that learning can be so much fun. I teach math and I focus on encouraging students to become problem solvers above anything else. Ultimately, my main goal for them is to power through tough situations. What makes you get up each day? I love working with students for so many reasons, but my favorite aspect of working with them is what they teach me. They teach me how to laugh on tough days, how to be vulnerable and take risks, 
how to speak up against injustices, and how to be resilient during unprecedented circumstances. And what are you most proud of? What I'm most proud of is the accomplishments of my students. It makes me smile when I see them grow into amazing adults, and it makes me proud when they share their successes with me. Whitworth Buchanan Middle 8th grade math teacher Darla Nassie, the Doug Young Educator of the Month, sponsored by City Tile and Floor Covering on Spring Street. WPNS, Murfreesboro. The voice of Rutherford County.